Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with something in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. This week in the red corner, sibling rivalry ahoy as Christian Bale and little bro Mark Wahlberg sort out their favourite offspring situation and battle addiction in a true life tale. It's 2010's The Fighter. Well, in the blue corner, it's a brotherly beefcake brawl as a feral Tom Hardy and physics teacher Joel Edgerton face off in the octagon to sort out their differences and daddy issues from 2011. It's Warrior. What are you going to do? Turn your back on Dickie next, huh? All we ever wanted for you was to be world champion. Mickey's a grown man. He can think for himself. Shut your mouth. Skank. 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 Don't call me Skank. I'll rip that nasty hair right out of your fucking head. I'm his mother. And his manager. You're not my manager anymore. And I'm not waiting for Dickie, okay? I'm not getting any younger. Who's gonna look after you, sweetheart? I mean, come on. I know you don't understand it, but I had nine kids. And I love every one of you the same. You got a funny way of showing it, letting him get beat up, letting him get his hand broken. You're fucking busted. You're crazy. Fucking. Not the only one that suffered, Tommy. I didn't even know she was sick. I never even got the chance to say goodbye to my own mother. You had no right to keep that from me. That was not your decision to make. No way. You walk around with your pictures in your wallet. And you're all, I forgive you. I forgive Pop. I forgive everyone, baby. You're full of shit. So it's a sibling squabble in this week's Clash, but which film will be victorious? Let's find out. Welcome to Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Potters. That guy did not just get off the fucking couch. If he did, I'm going to get a couch like that. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. Hello, Chris Tilly. Chris Tilly is uh, joining us remotely today, but Vicky and I are in the studio, so this should be a much easier show than the last time we did remotely stuff, uh, which didn't go well. Uh, it's just, it's a fascinating question just to open the uh, the banter uh, section of the show, which <laughs> I know you love, Chris. Uh, it's weird, is it not, that uh, the day after England wins 6-2 over Qatar, you're unable to attend the studio. It's just, I mean, it's coincidence, right? <laughs> I took yesterday, the Monday, off work to go to the pub to watch England with my friends and I watched it alone in bed on my laptop. <laughs> Do you have any witnesses? Because it doesn't sound like it. I don't it, know if that affects the level of booze you've drunk <laughs> if you were just in bed. There, I, there was no, when you're alone, when you're alone, there can't be witnesses, Alec. <laughs> That's a fact. I know. And once again, convenient. This is a little convenient. A little convenient. Uh, all right, then. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's talk fanuary. Chris. Do you want to do the shout-out? Sure. 
Um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Shall I do no, it? You, you, I think I know yeah, it. Yeah, go on, Vicky. Right, people, yeah? yeah. Email Chris with your suggestions. We love your suggestions. We do them in January, February. I tend to do them through March to December as well, when it's my turn to pick. <laughs> um, send them to show at clashpod.com. Is that right? Yep. Yep. That's it. We've done. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Thank you very much. So, yeah, February happens. We're taking suggestions now. If you can give us a reason for why you want a pairing in particular, it always helps its chances on the show. So you have to email them. Chris is very strict about that. Don't tweet us at ClashPod is where we are on Twitter, but email us show at ClashPod.com. All right, then. Welcome to part one of the Fighter versus Warrior. These were my choices this week. Thanks for picking them, Chris. So what was the thinking me? Well, I've never seen Warrior but I'm a full-blown Tom Hardy stan, so very excited. And remember reading excellent reviews at the time, and The Fighter is obviously an Oscar-winning movie. Uh, no pun intended, but we have a fight on our hands today. So the clue I gave on last week's show was fighting with the family. Chris followed that up on Twitter when he was still healthy with... Well, I was going to follow up with sibling rivalry, but because mm-hmm. you're done fighting with the family, too yeah. close, so I just said to you, Alex, come at me, bro. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, it was good. It was great. I loved it. Well done. Well done. All right. Your guest has arrived in the arena of combat. That is our Twitter at ClashPod. We're also on Instagram and TikTok at ClashPod with loads of beautiful extras and videos from the show. And if you're in the business for a little extra Clash completely free of Charles, why not check out free of Charles and charge? Uh, why not check? We don't like Charles. Uh, why not check out our YouTube channel for some lovely videos from the show uh, with some of the best bits of clashing from the last few years. All right. Your guesses. Congrats to B. Page, Matt T and Peter Stirrup, who were all beaten to the punch by this week's winner. Well done, Richard Cartwright. Your prize is the opportunity to go toe-to-toe in the ring with one of us. Who you pick is up to you. Me, Alex Inzane Zane, Chris Carpet Monster Tilly, or Vicky, don't pick her if you want to live, Crompton. Choose wisely. Vicky is the hardest of us. She'll go for you even if you don't pick her. <laughs> There's some truth in that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, honestly, you're the only one who has had a fight outside a chicken shop, <laughs> which is one of my favourite stories. <laughs> I'm not even sure if that's true. It is true. I've had a fight. Outside a pub. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. I stand corrected. Right, let's do the connection section. Brothers! Boys, stop fighting! Uh, yeah, yeah, sibling rivalry, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fighting with the family. Yeah. It's all in there. <laughs> yeah, it's all in there. Uh, weight loss and gain. Uh, Tom Hardy put on about 13 kilograms of muscle for Warrior and Bale lost about 18 kilograms for the He's fighter. So good at losing weight, that guy. It's Cannot great. stop losing weight. I think he ate an apple a day. Yeah. Um, having trophies and photos from being good at something when you were a child. Oh, uh, all right. Uh, is there? Yeah, Chris. Uh, addiction. Uh Drug addiction in in the fighter and alcohol addiction in Warrior are both dealt with. Yeah. Uh, Atlantic City. Both movies involve a fight in Atlantic City. Obviously, the Spartan competition takes place entirely in Atlantic City. And Mark Wahlberg visits Atlantic City for, I think, his first fight in the fighter. So Atlantic City. You ever been? No. I don't even know where it is. It's basically a shit Vegas. Right. Uh, I I prefer it to Vegas because I always support the underdog. But it's basically really bleak. It's on the eastern seaboard. About uh, two hours uh, by coach, I think, out of New York. Right. So it's on the coast, on the eastern seaboard, but obviously it's the Atlantic coast. Is it like Blackpool? Yeah. Yeah, I really like Blackpool. (laughs) Yeah, a bit. (laughs) No, I feel very at home in Blackpool, so I think I'd like it. It's fascinating because it's kind of the entire opposite of Vegas. So in Vegas, you go in the hotels and don't go out of the hotels because it's too fucking hot. Mm -hmm. And in Atlantic City, it's too cold to go out of the (laughs) hotel, so you stay in there and huddle around blackjack tables for warmth. <laughs> I won $800 on blackjack Did in you? Atlantic City. Did you I, lose it? Did you bring it home? Well, uh, my then girlfriend were, was like, I'm so fucking bored. Can we please leave? And I was 800 up. I was like, yeah, all right. Amazing. And if she hadn't said that, I'd have put it all back in. <laughs> uh, any more, Chris? Um, I, I guess they're both about fighters who win, not because they're the most skillful fighter, but because they can absorb a beating. Um, which is something that happens in both films. Mm. Um, and also Best Supporting Actor nominees. We've got a couple in one and, and a Best Supporting Actor nominee in the other as well. OK, I'll end with mine because I don't think you've got any more, have no. you? Uh, Warrior. 
The Word Warrior. Uh, so one film is obviously called Warrior. And the fighter uses the Dropkick Murphys track, The Warrior's Code, which is actually about Lowell, Massachusetts boxing legend Mickey Ward. Cool. So he's also... On the, I've always wondered who that was on the album cover of that famous album cover of The Warrior's Code, which is also the name of the album by the Dropkick Murphys. That is actually Mickey Ward. Right then. On Thursday, Chris will be saying Warrior come out to play which means today Vicky's only gone and found herself in a crack den V <laughs> take us on a journey they say your family are always in your corner but if your family are seven Gorgon sisters a crackhead brother and a momager who clearly loves that crackhead more than you don't you wish they weren't but it's okay because into would be if his family would back off world champ welterweight Mickey Ward's world mm. comes Amy Adams, seductive and full of contradictions, a college-educated barmaid, a hard-partying high-jumper, sensitive but not afraid to stand up to and punch Mickey's family so that Mickey can finally ditch mom and recently imprisoned Dickie to take a shot at the title. But it turns out prison is a place you can really get your shit together because there's absolutely no crack in prison. <laughs> <laughs> you get free teeth. So it turns out Dickie does have something to offer his now successful brother, which in truth is the same advice he gave him at the start. But maybe boxers need reminding of everything all the time in real time because of how hard they get smashed in the head. Mm-hmm. So Mickey wins the end. Whee! Yay! So I have seen this before, but it's part of my Amy Adams fangirl business. Oh, and that's right. why I watched it. We've had a lot of that on the show. I've this watched is so much Amy three, Adams. Three in a row. This is number three, right? What did we do? Enchanted. Arrival, Enchanted. Arrival. I watched Disenchanted last week. How was it? It's not good. Oh, really? <laughs> it's not good. Really? It's enjoyable. So like Enchanted? No, that's the thing. <laughs> it's really enjoyable. But it's a, I would watch, just what if you're interested in script or what, just watch it because you're like, how is it not working? Why doesn't it hang together? There's so many ideas. She's obviously fantastic. It's mm. just, I don't know, something's not right. Something's not but right. Maya Rudolph is the evil queen. I know. Is she not excellent? She's good, yeah. Right. But that's the thing. Everyone is good, but it's just, it wasn't, it didn't work for me. It's, <sighs> isn't James Master not in it very much? He's not is, in it very right? much. That's Yeah, that's true. That's um, the issue. That's possibly. why he was the most important element of the first film. <laughs> yeah. That's why we, we both, established that. We both picked him, didn't we, Chris? That's right. He yeah. did, yeah, yeah. always. Exactly. Yeah. Turns exactly, out yeah. we know more about script. <laughs> 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 Don't laugh too hard. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. When did you see The Fighter? Uh, I saw The Fighter when it was released. I was uh, reviewing uh, for a paper at the time. I gave it four or five out of five. I really, really loved it. So I was definitely up for watching it again. Weirdly, it's one of those films that I would never have watched again, mm. having seen it the once. And so I think it, it, it lessens its impact on review. Do you like David O. Russell's thing? You I, don't like Silver Linings Playbook, do you? I or is love, it Chris that doesn't I like love it? Silver Linings Playbook. Oh, OK. Yeah. Chris, do you like Silver Linings Playbook? Yep, that's easy. Not really. Oh, no. it's you. It's you. Sorry, I knew it was one of you. So to me, that's the greatest rom com ever made. Yes, yeah, I that's absolutely love that movie. Yeah, it's good. Um, I, I love. Yeah, I think I love most of his stuff. I'm not as mad about Three Kings no, as a lot of neither. people. No. I don't know why that has the praise it has. Apparently, Amsterdam's not very good, but I haven't seen it. Full disclosure. Uh, what else? American Hustle was quite good. Oh, I liked that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Chris, when did you see this film? I am a fight fan and a fight movie fan, so I went to see this at the cinema. But I haven't seen it since, so that's, what, 12 years ago. But yeah, I watched this one at the movies. Are you a David O'Russell fan? Chris and I gave our opinions on Silver Linings. What do you I, think? I'm going to say yes. Okay. I think in terms of making social realism playful, there's no one better. <laughs> it's true. That's what I think. I've lifted that as far as I'm aware. That's a genuine Vicky Crompton thought. Wow. Yep. Now I've got to change the verdict ever so slightly. Just bear with me a second. That was my best beer. <laughs> that was my best writing. <sighs> right. I'm going to tell you about this film. There's quite a lot. Um, so I'm going to try and whiz through it because, you, you know, if you... If you want to, there's a lot of articles about the dedication that Mark Wahlberg put into this project and obviously the backstory of Mickey Wood and and Dickie Eklund. But anyway, 2005, uh, writers Paul Tamasey and Eric Johnson, they put together a 40-minute DVD treatment of Mickey Ward's fights uh, with the documentary footage about Dickie Eklund from HBO. The documentary was called High on Crack Street. Um, The story behind it all came to them via someone called Keith Donington who knew Dickie from growing up together. But Keith Donington, he tried shopping this story around town, but he's not known in Hollywood, so no dice. Um, Now, the HBO documentary means that Mickey Ward doesn't own the rights to his own life story because when he signed the release for Dickie's documentary, 
he signed away the rights. Really? And he says he didn't really know he was doing it and there was a lawsuit. Uh, Mickey said that Dickie tricked him. Dickie said the production company tricked him, but it's very messy. If Mickey Ward, real Mickey Ward, is anything like Mark Wahlberg, Mickey Ward, I can believe he's quite easy to trick. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that a lot later. I think... I've seen clips of Mickey Ward, real Mickey Ward, talking, and and he does he does seem like it's not necessarily like he obviously is enthralled to his older brother, but he is just the milder of the two, mm. and he just seems to no pun roll with the punches a little bit. Yeah, there's that footage at the end of the movie yeah. where it's all it's, it's Dicky just like blah, 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 yeah. and he's like, I think yeah. Mark Wahlberg's performance is really true to life and is really generous, especially when everyone else is taking quite big swings, which we do talk about a lot here. Like you know, you're an actor, you kind of sense that maybe some awards are in the offing, and so mm. I think people just go for it. And I don't think he did. Yeah, that was a big talking point around the time of those Oscars, just how giving Mark Wahlberg yeah. is in this movie, because he really does. I mean, it, I don't know. Was it Mark Wahlberg or is it just the character Mickey Ward is not a character yeah. that you can go big with, especially in relation to his brother in the movie? But, but Ian, if you're an actor and you, you want it, like Mark Wahlberg trained his arse off for years. Mm. And, you th- you know, Christi- if, if everyone's like, oh, Christian's very good, though, isn't he? Jumping out of fucking windows and whatnot. You'd mm. be like, fuck it. I'm just going to go for it. I yeah. think, anyway. So anyway, it gets all sorted. The rights get sorted. Paramount sort it out because Paramount. Um, and then Mark Wahlberg is on board. He was a fan of Mickey Ward from when he was a teenager. They've got quite a lot in common um, in terms of coming from big families. Um, and Mark Wahlberg's dad knew uh, Mickey Ward's dad from prison. So it's like they feel that he feels a kinship, a okay. connection to him, all the rest of it. So for the next few years, the story is Mark, Mark Wahlberg training like mad to become an actual boxer. Yeah. But training like mad, even when the project was in development hell or, you know, directors come and go and other stars come and go. He built a boxing ring in his house. He would train, you know, occasionally eight to ten hours a day. That's mad. I think he still does weird shit like that. Wasn't there a thing about Mark Wahlberg where his regime now, even when he's not training to be bulked up for a role he gets up at 3 a.m and and goes training at 3 a.m no you know when we're going to bed (laughs) mark Wahlberg. (laughs) that's something to live by isn't it (laughs) guys the time mark Wahlberg is getting up now we need to go to bed yeah yeah. would that send you to bed or would you be like i don't really have a hope because i'm i'm never gonna look like mark Wahlberg. it's a good point so i was saying about people coming and going so matt damon was going to be dicky and darren aronofsky was going to direct from a screenplay um, from Scott Silver. Then Brad Pitt replaces Matt Damon. Then Brad Pitt leaves, and so does Darren Aronofsky. And Mark Wahlberg's just still becoming a boxer. <laughs> this point. I, I mean, granted, it's very difficult to ever see anyone else in the Dickie Eklund role after what Christian Bale did with it. Yeah. But even without that, I just can't imagine. Like, this would have been such a different role for either Matt Damon or Brad Pitt. I can't, I can't fathom either of them doing that role god i can really yeah especially matt damon yeah, especially matt, matt, da- matt wow yeah matt well matt damon did it didn't he in courage under fire mm, he played yes. a heroin addict yeah. and he lost all that weight he looked very emaciated i mean the funny thing is if you watch high on crack street which i did um lost lives in lol um the real dicky wasn't as skinny as christian bale <laughs> so he went fur- he, he went further than he needed to, to play this role i'm not sure that's right or good well, so Take his Oscar away. Yeah, so he did go method. So Christian Bell, he spent a lot of time with Dickie. Um, so Dickie took, like, took him around LOL and um, Christian Bell said he like showed me everything, showed me his crack houses and he would knock on the door and say, hi, I'm Dickie. This used to be my crack dealer's place. Do you mind if I show it to Christian Bale? <laughs> very funny. <laughs> Eminem was considered as well, wasn't he? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They spoke to Eminem about taking the Dickie Eklund role and it was only because of... Well, I don't know if it was only because of this, but scheduling conflicts with his music career prevented him from doing it. But that would have been interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think he might have overshadowed at the time. Mm. I don't know. He's good. He's great, you know, in 8 Mile and all the rest of it. Um, So just a little bit about the fighting, which we will come back to, but I just always find it impressive. Um, Bearing in mind that once Darren Aronofsky leaves and then David O. Russell comes on board, the budget goes down from about 70 million to around 25. So they're filming the fights for real using handhelds, like HBO 90 style shot continuously. It's choreographed. So this is where Mark Wahlberg being a real boxer pays for itself because they just do the fights yeah. like really quickly, get it done. Um, and I think it looks amazing. I think it just, I, I don't know anything about fighting, so I can't tell you if Mark Wahlberg looks like a real boxer or not. But Well, did, I mean, apparently, did you say this, that he, um, I was just looking at my notes, but did you say that he, he trained himself to actually take 
the punchers. So no. when he's punched, he's actually being punched. He got his nose broken a few times because he felt like that needed to happen. He needed to be able to take a punch as well as look like a boxer throwing punches. Oh, it's terrifying. I can't imagine it. I just anyway, and I just want to talk a little bit about the sisters because the sisters are Ugh. possibly the best thing about this film. So those women, they got this massive casting call in Lowell, and um, Erica McDermott, who plays Tar, who's the woman who throws the punch at Amy Adams on the porch. Yes. So the casting director, she said, was going around the casting call and just saying to all these women, "You're too pretty. You're too pretty. You're too pretty." So uh, Erica McDermott you're to do that? Uh, no. Right. Um, so she says she got up in her face and was like, you think I'm too pretty? And it's like, that's amazing. And then she says, because in my acting class, they said you have to take a risk. How cool is that? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's good. So that either she scared this casting director to death uh, or they saw through her actual beauty. It is a terrible thing to say when you see the women at the premiere of the fighter. You're like, oh, they're really pretty. <laughs> <It's> really <laughs> Did you see the quote um, that David O. Russell gave about Amy Adams in this movie? No. Uh, I don't know whether you're going to like this or not, but Russell said of Amy Adams, there are very few things that a director can have at his disposal better than an actress who's dying to break type and is extremely motivated to break type. Amy was extremely motivated to play a sexy bitch. And that's who the character of Charlene is. I'll continue. This is David O. Russell quoting Amy Adams. She said, as long as it happens between action and cut, I'll do anything. And I said... That's my kind of actress. Wow. Well, obviously she didn't want to be the Disney princess anymore. Yeah. Um, that's it. Shall we talk about the film? There's more sure. stuff, but it will, it will come up as we go through, yeah. I imagine. All right, then. So here is Dickie. He's hyper. He's what I like to call crack skinny. Um, and he's filming for HBO about his comeback or so he thinks. So I would have saved that reveal when I was going through the notes, but obviously we covered it in the trivia section. How did you feel the first time you saw this film? Because the first time I saw it, I found it, I, I didn't put it together. I really no. did think it might be about his comeback and it's devastating mm. when it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, be, so there are two reveals, aren't there? There's the early reveal where you actually see him, them filming him doing crack in the crack den. Yeah. But there's the second reveal uh, where, um, oh my God, What's the boxer's name who he keeps talking about knocking down? Sugar Ray Leonard. Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, when Sugar Ray Leonard actually directly asks him, he goes, what's the documentary about? And he's like, yeah. my comeback. Yeah. So are we talking about the very first reveal where we see him doing crack? Because I didn't know he was a crackhead. I yeah. thought he was just a, a kind of tricksy weirdo <laughs> kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. And so when I first saw him doing crack, the first reveal, yeah. I was like, oh, shit. I kind of thought first time... Even though he's doing crack, it could still be about his comeback. I know that's <laughs> stupid. But like you say, he's a legend. He's a local legend. One of the writers, or Scott Silver, I can't remember, said like, you know, we're trying to create this guy that in this town, he's the guy that landed on the moon because he knocked down Sugar Ray and this is his whole thing. It was ruled a trip. Yeah. So uh, Sugar Ray went down in round nine, but it was ruled a slip, sorry, not a trip. Um, and later... Dickie Eklund said, I didn't knock him down. It was bullshit. He slipped. Yeah. I think the bit where you see Dickie Eklund walking through the town with the cameras oh, on yeah, him that's and he's just greeting all the shop owners and everything. And like, there's a crowd gathered. You really, I mean, that sort of, that small town yes. hero yes. comes across so well. It's so authentic, that yeah. moment. Yeah, it is. And it, it could be ridiculous. It mm. could look like actors being told to yeah, do something. Yeah, yeah. But you, you just, like I said, David or Russell, with the social realism, made playful. But I think also what helps that scene in its and authenticity is the idea that uh, Christian Bale, by all accounts, stayed completely in character, mm. which I think would be a fucking nightmare if you were working alongside of him. Of course. But obviously it works for him. So I think because he was just so in character, he was just riffing. It was all ad-libbed and stuff. And so you're getting authentic reactions from all these extras in the shops. Chris? And if, you're watch if you watch the documentary... Um it, you'd be, it doesn't really make sense that Dickie would think it was about his comeback because he's basically a background character in, in Lost Lives and Old. It's much more about Boo Boo, um, who's, who's obviously in the film, and one of the women who's sort of Boo Boo's sometime girlfriend who, who is very ill with her addiction and then she gets pregnant. And so uh, Dickie and, 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 and Mickey are, also, are kind of... They're not really part of it. They're sort of just sort of muttering and saying stuff in the background. So, um, yeah, you watch that documentary, it's definitely about... Crack addiction. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so the theme of the film here, or like the story engine, Dickie is an unreliable to trainer to Mickey because of crack and Mickey should just ditch him because he's past it. But obviously there's a twist in this film um, because Dickie actually is useful. Um, but at this point, it, it's Mickey should be uh, with O'Keefe, who's played by himself, which is a fun fact. So, oh, okay. Yeah, they the auditioned. Cop. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's really him. Wow. They auditioned great. loads of people, then they auditioned him. They're like, let's just do that then. Because they didn't have the time or the money they said, because Mark Wahlberg was also a producer on this, to, to make to, to to train up an actor to look like he knew what he was doing about boxing, so it was just easier, mm. since O'Keefe can act, just get him to do it. It's good, isn't it? That's another connection, yeah, he's, then. He's a, he's, a, he's a police sergeant, and, and I think it was Wahlberg said to him, look, you, you know how to talk to people, you know how to act fast, you know how to think on your feet, that's all you've got to do. And um and you know how to train a boxer. So I mean and he feels real. That's what gives it sort of this documentary feel, even when we aren't in the documentary scenes, is having someone like him in it. Yeah. It's quite a sad and disturbing story about the guy who plays Boo Boo in real life, Paul Campbell, who was one of Mark Warburg's friends. He was uh killed by police mm. um after filming, obviously, uh sometime <laughs> later after stabbing his own mum to death. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's dark. Nasty. That is nasty. So we'll meet Alice, who's <laughs> Melissa Leo. I mean, she's incredible. Incredible, like scary as. Okay, this is really, really interesting because I, I have a real real problem with a major scene involving her in this movie. Is it when she apologises? Yep. Yeah, so basically, I know what you mean, because she, if you look at her character arc, she prefers Dickie to her other son. 100%. 100%. It's, it's, it's not up for debate. No. And then I was like, well, that, what's her arc? Because Dickie, you know, Dickie's in this film, it's not, not quite as close to real life. Like, he understands that he needs to clean up, he stops using crack, and then he helps his brother. So there's his arc. But she knows that Dickie is using crack, and she still prefers him to Mickey. Mm. And then she just does a bit of a 180 and says, sorry. And I think if I, I buy it because Melissa Leo is really good. But as a mother, it's like that doesn't you haven't you haven't learned anything or changed. You you've just said sorry. Yeah. Because you thought the jig was up kind of thing. Like, you know, your cash cow was walking away from you. And I don't think it's Melissa Leo's fault. I do think her performance is great. It's my change. So I'm going pretty early. But we'll talk about it more in the change section. But I just think the film does her a disservice by trying to wrap that moment up yeah. quite so quickly. Like, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. In a film that is sort of warts and all, Yes, it's like, why would you sugarcoat that and give us a little movie happy ending for their relationship? Yeah, as a presence, I was really blown away by it, but... At this point in the film, whether or not she's lying, she does understand that Dickie is a drug user and she still thinks he's the best person for Mickey. And mm. there's an issue there, obviously. But anyway, this is all set dressing because what I really want to talk about is Amy Adams. Okay. <laughs> so she's working in the bar and she catches Mickey's eye. Of course she does. Yeah. 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 Well, short, <laughs> short denim shorts. Very short denim Very shorts. Very short denim shorts. She looks great. And she, she looks she looks like a normal-sized woman this as well. Is, she does look like a normal-sized woman. She can't be, but she does look like one. Mm. And it's like, you know, that, you know, the old adage of like, you win an Oscar for if you like, quote, ugly up. And it's like, it's so disrespectful because it's like, she looks like a fucking normal person. Yeah. Give her an Oscar. But she's very good aside from that. Yeah, she's honestly, I, I, you know, of the three Amy Adams films um, <laughs> that we've done, <laughs> <laughs> that we've done in the last three weeks, this is my favourite performance of hers. I think she's fantastic in yeah. this film. I also like the fact that if you want to get a barmaid's attention and potentially go on a date with her, best idea is to slap a rude customer in the face. <laughs> it's just the thing, like <laughs> that does really get her attention. Um, she, she wasn't that interested before. A bit of, oi, fuck you! Yeah, it's slappy slap slap. It's and a good Look, she's because, like, uh, I'll take you up on that. Yeah, date. because I do want to talk about that because in I, in a lot of films with men fighting, the women just aren't into it. Mm. And I want to see a film, and this does it, where she's like, I am into this. And she I, is. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what I mean. It's just like with Warrior, like the wife is just like, yeah. I don't know who she thought she married, but yeah. whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's like a reveal. It's like, so I actually used to do that. And she's like, go what? <laughs> because I want to explore what you get from it. With I'm not judging. It's just like, there is something there. And Amy, Adams up front is like cool you've just hit someone see you on Saturday fair <laughs> enough like so apparently boxing is a chess game with just two moves so not a chess game <laughs> of, of head body um, but yeah uh, yeah so he's off to fight Saul Mamby uh, actually we'll pick that up after a short break Mother's Day is around the corner. 
Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Correct. <laughs> you Now you've wrecked it. That's your fault. So like we say, we're off to fight Sawman, but this is a big fight. Um, Mickey has already said to Charlene, he's not a stepping stone and he's going to prove it. Um, this is the first of one of several Dickie in a bin moments. <laughs> so Mickey Ward actually said, the real Mickey Ward afterwards, that Mark Wahlberg didn't get nominated for an Oscar because he just didn't jump out of windows the way that Christian Bale did. <laughs> so to go back to Melissa Leo's character, the mum, um, she does or doesn't know. She's, she knows, but she's turning, she right. So she's yeah. turning a blind eye. It's just a bit where the second jumping out of the window moment where it's just her on her own before they go into this, this first time they're off yep. to the fight yep. and there's everyone there and like he punches his dad or uh, yeah George dad. I love George yeah George is great but the second time where she sort of sees exactly the same thing happening but that time she bursts into tears yeah and like it felt like I just I got a little bit confused about how much denial I guess she was in. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to it, but I think there's a huge difference between kind of understanding that your son is a drug user, a problematic drug user, and watching him on the telly waxing lyrical to how amazing that drug is. Right, okay. That's what I think. Yeah, that's what the difference is. Like, you can think that someone's using drugs and it's problematic, but if someone's like, I love this drug so much, (laughs) that's a big shock, isn't it? Yeah. She's still under the illusion that he is going to box again. That's how delusional she is early in the film. And so we're seeing it all sort of real to her. This is the scene that Dickie Eklund um, hated from the movie um, because he said, uh, in the, the one where he jumps into the dumpster. From the, the first he said, one or the second one? He doesn't twice. Either one, because he says in, re- in reality, he jumped from a higher floor and there was no dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's your crack strength, isn't it? You just... <laughs> so anyway, the fight doesn't happen. It's with someone 20 pounds heavier who's, was it just off the couch, but yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, Mickey doesn't want to do it. His family coerce him. And so, you know, I never believe that they did really love him. And we talked about this, like when Melissa Leo apologises, is that enough? At this point in the film, you just, I'm just angry for Mickey that this family are using him for money like, and mm. they don't seem to care if he gets killed. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, but anyway, it doesn't matter because then Charlene can patch him up. I always hate this scene in films. It's fine because it's Amy Adams, but it's like, oh, you've got a little cut on your face. Let me just nurse you. Like he can put, he should be able to put a plaster on himself. I really felt for him with the shame element, even before he actually says, look, I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. That's why I didn't call you. But before that, when you've worked that out for yourself, that obviously he looks at the phone and then he sees her number and he decides not to call yep. because he's ashamed. You really do feel for Mickey in that moment. I and do. I think Mark Wahlberg's really good in that moment. He is really good. Yeah, it's it's it all it works because we know that Charlotte well, he believes that Charlene is into it because he punched a guy in the bar and she's like, I'll go on a date with you. So I find the shame a bit like, oh, it's very masculine and it's very toxic in its own way. It's like you can still call, but he might think that a girl like that, as little as he knows her at this point, would be embarrassed for him. Yeah, in this situation, he got professionally slapped in a bar. Yes, he did. He's the slappy as opposed to the slapper. So they go to see he takes her on a date and they go to see Belle Epoque, and neither of them can <laughs> pronounce it and yeah but luckily 
Chris Tilly is walking in behind them, <laughs> talking about how great the cinematography is. It's such a weird scene. Well, the, 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 the New York Times loved it. <laughs> I found it a weird scene because who is the scene there? Because we think Mark Wahlberg, Mickey, has been embarrassed by uh, someone who is presumably more educated than he is. So he's going to turn around and hit him, and then he doesn't. He's just like, shut up, I don't care. And so he doesn't. Hmm. So it's a bit like, well, that's weird. It, it seems a bit. I, I don't know, unrealistic. That someone I, got, would just... I just got the vibe that he was basically, he was faking it because he knew mm. that he didn't know this movie. He yes. knew he didn't know anything about it. He just yeah. didn't want to show his face in Lowell yeah. because of what had happened. So he was just sort of, he was in his own head faking his own interest in this movie. Yeah. Um, again, another brilliant moment from Amy Adams, which is when she walks out of the film and she's like, that was shit. She doesn't say that was shit. She says there wasn't even any good sex in it. And I lo- can I love this woman more? <laughs> yes, we will get to it. <laughs> so, Have you seen uh, Belle Epoque, Chris? It feels like... No, because I heard there wasn't any good sex in it. So <laughs> give it a miss. Yeah, give it a miss. <laughs> so Charlene meets Alice... I love this scene, like when they, the sisters oh, just sitting on the sofa. It made me run cold because it was like school. I this is where Amy Adams is brilliant She's in so this, good. going toe to toe straight with away though. Melissa Leo, yeah. Oh, like brilliant. when she says, oh, "I've heard a lot about you." Yeah. What's that supposed to mean? Exactly what you meant. <laughs> <Hit> me. <laughs> That's great, She's awesome. But just those women sitting there, just bit like mim- like mocking her and calling her an MTV girl. And she's like, "What the fuck is that supposed what to does mean?" What does it even mean? It's so brilliant. Yeah. It's so, so, so good. Um, But the point is, Mickey and Charlene wants this as well. He wants to go to Vegas to train to get paid to train, which is all very reasonable. And then bloody Alice immediately turns on the tears. And that's she's very manipulative. Like, that's the first time she's shown that sort of emotion. Mm -hmm. And she's trying to make her son feel sorry for it, which is a weird thing to do anyway. Mm -hmm. But it's all building to Dickie's downfall. Because to get Mickey his training money... He pimps out his girlfriend, impersonates a police officer, then attacks a police officer. So they break his brother's hand. Yeah, the police don't come out of this film very well. No, they don't. That's some serious police brutality, like smashing a guy's hand for no reason. I don't think you're meant to do that when you're in uniform. I'm certainly not meant to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I read some stuff in real life... It did really happen, but not quite in the way that it... But it's still not good, so I feel nervous. Mickey broke his hand punching a police officer. You're not really allowed to retell that in a completely opposite way. Is that what you read? No, no, no. All right, I read there was a fight outside the Cosmo Club. He was cuffed, and when he was handcuffed, they whacked him on the hand. So it's still... What I read is still police brutality. It's not six massive hits where your hand on the bonnet of a car, though. Yeah, it's it's just very, very nasty business. It is. So Dickie's sent down. But you do get a sense that... You do get a sense that they live in a world of violence and that Mickey's got a big mouth and has probably been punching policemen just as much as policemen have been punching him. And it just feels like this is the world they live in, where they just... It's violence beget violence. And that's why I think Amy Adams' character finds him attractive. It's it's her world as well. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, so Dickie sober's up in prison, uh, which is kind of fine. It's not quite as realistic as I would have expected. Um, the withdrawals look pretty realistic. No, but I mean, if he wanted crack in prison, I'm pretty sure he can get crack in prison. Got you. Yeah. So it might have been nicer for him to have a scene where he's like, I mean, it's, I don't know. I'm going to say but that. that, would, that would, wouldn't that steamroll the latest scene where you think he's on his way to get crack? Yeah. Yeah. God, that's a good point. Yeah, you're right. And that's a very important scene. So you can't have that twice, I guess. But then it's time for him to show off the documentary it, to his prison. But he's like king of the prison as well. Like Weirdly, everyone loves him. This is the scene that I remembered the most from my first watch of it. And it was I think it was probably my favourite scene walking into this. The bit where he's like, you know, walking in, like you say, a people's hero. And then suddenly he doesn't even know. Like yeah. he's been that high for that long that he's no idea what the actual documentary yeah. is about. And his face when it comes on and the chain in the atmosphere in the room is great mm. but also it's done quite slowly mm. so it's quite obvious what the documentary is about from about 30 seconds in but he still has the room because he's taking the piss out of himself and he's like I've been so high you know I can't you know what do you remember when you're high and he's still got the room and it takes a while for him to be like okay now we need to turn it off and I liked that because you're so tense for him and then there's a moment where you think actually he might make this work he might be like oh, aren't I hilarious mm. like look at me with my crack pipe kind of thing so, What's quite confusing is in the, in the real documentary, quite a lot of the documentary, uh, not quite a lot, but there's about 10 minutes of him in prison. And so I found that quite confusing watching him in prison in the film, watching the documentary, where in the documentary he's in prison. Yeah. Do you I see think, what I mean? Yeah. In real life, didn't he spend like a few years in prison? But in, the, in this, yeah, he, in The Fighter, it seems like a few months because his little boy is 
not as grown up kind of thing. Anyway. Yeah, real life Dickie wasn't as honourable um, or as nice, as cuddly as this Dickie comes across. <laughs> uh, you know, I think they try and present it as almost a victimless crime here where it's someone who's 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 you know paying a sex worker and so it's it's like the stuff he was doing in real life was was much worse than how it's presented here to to get his money yeah i mean impersonating a police officer is a very serious thing to do like they don't take well to that yeah but i guess on the scale of morality i think what chris is leaning into is there are some actual horrible questionable things that are worse than impersonation home invasions home invasions and kidnappings and this kind of thing like you know but borderline murder and it's like yeah yeah and so we've spoken about this, but, you know, the, the whole community are watching the documentary. Um, Mickey's evil ex-wife or ex-partner. Oh, my God. What? I mean, it's, is it too much, that scene? I don't know whether that's realistic. I'm sure we can't even find out if that's realistic. But going, I'm making your yeah, daughter awful, awful. watch this because she needs to see what her uncle's about. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's it's too, it's nasty. It's vicious. Yeah, there was a version of the script. The script had to change quite a lot because of the budget coming down. There was a version of the script which pitted the two women, Charlene and his ex, whose name I can't remember, much more against each other. And it was about Mickey finding his way from one woman to another. The kind of thing so okay. more scenes with the family more scenes with the daughter it maybe makes more sense if you know a little bit more about the ex and why she's so fucked off with him but yeah. it, this True. version it's harsh like mm. you feel so powerless for him because he cannot go around and sort it out and she's just making this little girl watch this thing it's yeah it is pretty brutal and i think because you don't know as much about her or her story or what happened with her and mickey she does feel like a sort of evil ex caricature yeah yeah who's now married up kind of mm. thing which yeah. is like a, a bit of a trope but anyway, the documentaries, we've got like an act. I was like, oh, is this the Act 2 law point? Not that anyone cares, apart from me, I guess. But do you care? I, I want to know what it is. It's like, I, there is a proper name for it, but I, I don't study my theory as much as I should. I'm just really more instinctive in that way. Yeah, of course. So I'm going to call this an Act 2, second half of Act 2, Malta. <laughs> So it's not the low point. Look forward to it's the not book. very snappy. Chris will be able to tell me at which point in the cave hero's journey story <laughs> we are, which of the seven stages it is. It's not the low point. It seems like a low point. It's not the low point. We'll get there. It propels the action because the documentary motivates Mickey to get back in the gym with O'Keefe and he's got a new manager. Love the scene where George, who is actually the best dad, has to break the news to Alice. Mm. The, the trouble with domestic violence is... She is a she's throwing shit at him. She's going to really hurt him, and I think we're supposed to find it funny. And I don't find that funny. Like I don't think he should be with her. I think he, and not that it's easy to leave, but that's a bad situation for him. It's not like comedy violence. Like it's because it's a pan. Yeah, that's where it changes for me. It's like no, that's a lump of metal. Yeah, that you're going to kill him. Yeah, yeah basically. Um, but the sisters blame Charlene for what they think of as treachery. And I just think the scene where they go around to confront her is awesome. So good. It's so good. So good. You just, and not to condone violence, because I'm not a big fan of violence, but the fact that Charlene, you, you meet people where they are, as the saying goes, and she's like, fuck it, what did I say to you? And you can't believe that she goes through with it, because it's, it's easy to like be, well, trust me, I know, big mouth, and you say, don't do that again, and then someone does it, and you're like, oh, fuck, now I've got to do the thing I said I was going to do. And she does, and she's like, what did I say to you? Don't call me that, and just attacks her. And I don't think it comes off like a fun cat fight, which is good because that's sexist. I think yeah. it, it's a scary-ass fight. Yeah, they're pulling her the hair, like yeah. chunks of hair out. And there's out. lots of them, though. Like, they're all going to defend their sister. And yeah. she's like, I don't care. Good honour. Yeah. Charlene came across very hot, in my opinion. Oh, my God. The scene, <laughs> I know the scene before is annoying because it's like, we have to have a random sex scene because... It's a movie. Oh, yeah. But bloody hell, mm. that is so steamy for... I don't know. I think it's because... Is there no music? Jesus Christ. I don't know if there's any music. It's, it's very sexy underwear. Um, yeah, it is. It's sort of sheer, but not... <laughs> I mean, I wear that when I'm being sexy. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? You can see everything, but not everything, because that's not sexy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, the... For me, the family's fighting and that small town thing feels quite close. Like, not to throw Blackburn under the bus, but <laughs> I've, the, the most fights I've ever seen is in Blackburn. I don't see fights that often in London. And it, that small town thing, those sisters, it just put me right back at school where it's like, oh, you're calling me a liar. You're this, you're this, you're this. Just this scary gang of girls who, if they want to, will just turn on you outside a pub or <laughs> whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you feel like that? Do you feel disconnected from like small town violence or 
Does it? Did that give you the chills? I mean, like you, I haven't seen it in London for a while. I guess it's always because, to me, it was because London, the centre of London, to go out in the centre of London is a very pricey affair, whereas the further from the centre you get, the cheaper the alcohol is. Yeah. And when you get to a regional town, obviously, it's just not the scale of London. So people go from, you know the local areas into the centre. And when you're walking through the city centre, you will see fights. Whereas yeah, in London, it's a, it's a financial thing, I think. I, well, and also it's because, you know, everybody knows everybody, sort of. Like, Blackburn's not tiny, but you are going to run into someone you went to school with or mm. is related to someone you went to school with. And for some reason, that gets to me. Like, I know it's a really personal thing and I know it, like, you know, and I prefer the anonymity of London because I think it's more protective. That's, yeah. that's just, uh, yeah, that's just how I feel. Yeah. What enemies did you make at I school? I don't think I have enemies. I fucking hope not, because they'll find me. <laughs> it just made me feel like a teenager again, because I'm quite scared of fights. I don't. I don't like fighting. I don't like watching boys fight outside a fucking taxi rank in Blackburn. That's just not my thing at all. And I've seen enough of it. And then when you come down here, you just don't see that very well. Everybody thinks London's super violent, and obviously there is some crazy stuff. But that kind of pissed up. Fighting for the sake of it, I haven't seen. It's a weird thing. I mean, I I don't think I've ever quite really resolved or understood why this was, but on a very simplified level. So when I was wearing really skinny jeans and I had my massive, free, like big hair, big, big, long hair, black eyeliner on, like I'd walk around Soho and like looking like that, you just simply don't look like the freakiest looking person in Soho. <laughs> yeah, there are people more extravagantly dressed, more like this is going back a few years, but, you know, more playing with like, you know, gender and like uh, the like the appeal of makeup and well, however you want to put it. People like exploring really crazy looks in yeah. Soho. Yeah. Leeds, when I'd walk through the city centre looking like that in Leeds, I'd just get abuse yeah. every single time. And I, I, I don't know why. I don't, you know, and I'm not throwing Leeds under the bus. It just, it's the way it was. You'd walk through Leeds looking yeah. like that and people, you ran the risk of getting punched for just the way you looked. Yeah, that's the thing I couldn't be doing with in Blackburn. And it was fine. I found my tribe and we did have a safe place to go drinking and all the rest of it. But the pressure to not dress in the way I wanted to, which is such a, when you're a teenager, these things are so important. They're so symbolic and you need to feel like you belong. And I just didn't belong to the other group of people that were wearing this kind of thing. I wanted to wear the other kind of thing. It just mm. put a big fucking target on your back and it's like I would you know you'd scuttle from taxi to pub yeah. and then back again what is, what, what, what is it what is the, the bravado the machismo the the thing is it that, that singles out people who look different in regional towns whereas not in London I just thought I think in London people just don't give a shit for whatever reason because it's um, a collection of freaks and misfits anyway <laughs> I like it I bet it's different now like we grew up at Sorry, a yeah. particular time yeah, this I is bet going now back a, a, it's much easier yes yeah and it's it's, it's weird and it only it only happened a handful of times because I think Leeds has one of the biggest goth communities in the country yeah so I, I don't know I think because I was neither one or one sort no, no, other <laughs> I was, uh, I was like, I was fair game. But honestly, I used to make jokes about it. Like, fucking, like, stonewashed jeans, Ben Sherman shirts. They yes, were try- like, they, they were coming for they you. They were coming for you. Yeah. And then I'd always find it hard, because if I did ever go to another club, you're like, someone would try and... Either, you know what? You've met me. Mm. So if someone tried to pull me, I might be into that or whatever, but the minute I start talking, you can see these boys like, no! <laughs> no it's not my accent, because I'm in black, but it's like... What is it about me that is off-putting to you in this situation? No one's going, look at the brain on her. (laughs) (laughs) Which held me back a little bit. (laughs) And actually... Nice brain, love. Yeah, that's all it is. It's just bitterness, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I couldn't get laid in Blackburn. Yeah, honestly, you just knew which pubs you weren't going into and which you were going into. Yeah. It was, uh, was, yeah, you stuck to your own. Yeah. (laughs) So back to the fighter. Yeah. Yeah. so anyway, uh, it's going well for Mickey until it's not. And then he's fighting. You know, he's got O'Keefe and he's got Sal. He has to use the advice his brother gave him uh, from prison when he goes for a little visit, which is take it to the body, I think. And it works. And so now Mickey's got a shot at the title. So that when Dickie comes back and he's out of prison, we do know in terms of the narrative structure that Mickey's going to have to let him back in the team. So this is the scene that I was going to talk about. So the scene in the locker room, hmm. just let me get this out of the way. I hate it when uh, Dickie's son punches the lockers to mimic his dad's. I think that's oh, it's unnecessary. so on the nose. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 
hear that. Mm. But I think this it's is... It's not explored it anyway. We've not, we've not seen Mickey's life... Uh, yeah. Dickie's life with his son. Yeah. Uh, and it's sort of... It's quite confused, actually. So he's... He's obviously having sex with the girl who works in the crack, who lives in the crack house yeah. with him. Yeah. But he's also got another family and another girlfriend yeah. who's the mother of his child. Yeah. It's sort of, it's all very vague. So when it comes to the kid, it's like this feels ex- extenuous. I think it's more extraneous. Dis- more disturbing the way that Alice is with the little boy, which is like, you're a little fighter in the making. Like when people talk to kids like that, right? Watching a kid do violence in a locker room, just mm. kids do stupid shit like that all the time. But if a woman. A maternal, you know, his grandma is kind of like, you know, one day you'll be up there kind of thing. That's more disturbing to me. Like, why would you want him to follow in that path and get beaten up for a living? Thankfully, though, this scene is saved by Melissa Leo, Alice turning up with the cake, which is the whole yeah, sort of, and the whole so circus turns up and it's all for show. Yeah. And it's like, and it, she's like playing this game. Again, I really struggle with Alice because her redemption isn't done very well. Yeah. You never, I never felt, even by the end, that I really had made my peace with who she is and what she's doing here. Yeah, and it all gets wrapped up super quick as well at the end. But I think if I was Mark Wahlberg, we've got a scene seen with my brother in the locker room and this is where I'm saying no you know I'm, I'm moving on all the rest of it and I can sense that everyone else is going to get a freaking Oscar nomination and I'm not so I'm going <laughs> to throw the script like in the bin for a minute and just do stuff like I'm a producer I can do what I like and he doesn't he's just really like this is how it's going to be and like off he goes which is very realistic and it's a generous performance because it gives everyone else the space to do their big thing but if it'd been me I would have been selfish and done some big acting yeah. in order to get all those noms. Yeah, well, you're not a generous performer like Mark Wahlberg. It's <laughs> been said before. <laughs> so then Dickie and Charlene have to reconcile. Now, I love this scene because it's two fantastic actors doing their thing. I think it's a little bit unfair on her. So the beat of the scene is she's like, you, Dickie, you're a problem. Admit that Sugar Ray tripped. And he's like, well, why don't you... He basically says, why don't you admit that you're in it for something as well? And it's like, that's unfair. She's like, okay... And he gets a bit of truth out of it. They're trying to like extract some truth from each other. Mm. So her truth, which is good to hear, is that she said, yes, I did drink too much when I was at college. But we're not here to judge her. She's been nothing but good for Mickey. She wants the best for him. She's supported him. Like She's just... She's just turned into Alice, though. For, she's I, walked out once. Like. No, but she's had Mickey's... Like, she's forced Mickey... Forced Mickey... She's brought an opinion out of Mickey, which is you're just, you sound like them. Yeah. So this is, I guess this is, uh, she needs to, for the the force to be balanced in the movie, (laughs) having caused, having basically become Alice in a, a scene ago in Mickey's eyes, and for Dickie to also be bad in Mickey's eyes, we need them both to accept something yeah. about themselves for the force to be maintained and them to move forward as a unit. So yeah. she, ha- we have to find something. And of all the things, I drank a bit too much. It's not that bad. But I guess because we're comparing it to, I've had a major crack addiction and done <laughs> things so entirely selfishly for the entire <laughs> of this movie. It's not the same thing. No, no. Um, but then she says, none of this matters. I'll see you in Mickey's corner, otherwise go fuck yourself. And now I'm just in love with her. Like, mm. I could, that's it. I'm done with my loving, but there we are. So, that's so she's the, saying, I'll see you in Mickey's corner, but I'm never going to like you. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, good. That's your act two law point, by the way. So right. <laughs> just right. someone ding the bell. So now we're into act three, another training montage. Then we're off to London to fight Shay Neary. And in London, we all drink tea and we wear bow ties all the time. And also for an Irish fighter, there's a lot of Union Jacks at that oh, fight. Bloody hell. <laughs> I <laughs> just, I just took it as a massive Hollywood American oversight. It really pissed but me off that this like... woman comes into the hotel. Tea? Mm. Who the fuck is bringing anyone tea? Yeah. It's, it maddened me mm. because of social realism, David. And it's like just ask anyone who's ever been to London if an old lady brings you tea and if all old men wear bow ties. And the answer is no. It's fine. <laughs> It just really annoyed me because it took me out of the film. Hello and welcome to this boxing match. <laughs> welcome to boxing. It does. It, it's like, <laughs> have you travelled back in time? It's this Mary Poppins meets the fighter. Yeah. So anyway, 
We get the fight. Now, this is not to be churlish about the film. It's my blind spot. I felt a bit left out of the fight action in a way I didn't feel left out with Warrior because I can't actually follow the fight itself. Luckily, David O. Russell has put some major visual clues with Amy Adams and Melissa Leo going, boo or yay. Mm. So I understood what was going on. It's a big ask, but I wish I could understand the choreography. I wish the film had shown me enough, apart from head body, which whatever that is that I understood that he was losing all I could see is the other guys hitting him more and hitting him harder that's it but is that all there is to it that's all you need to know is that really true that's boxing really yeah whoever's hitting the other guy more is winning right (laughs) both in terms of damage and points so then because it is a points based game isn't it so we shouldn't do this because this is annoying for everyone who understands that but how can you just win in the last round if you've been losing in the other rounds only with a KO but he doesn't knock him out, does he? he yes. Does he? Yes. He's unconscious? Yeah. Oh, shit, sorry. But wrong film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets counted out, so that's a KO. Whether he's unconscious or not, oh, is it? he's down on the ground for 10 seconds, which oh, means... Oh, then you win the whole thing? When you win the whole thing. Wow. Mm. Oh, it's quite exciting. Yeah, that's why it's like you have to get a knockout. That's why in the earlier fight that we kind of glossed over where yep. Mark Wahlberg... Um, Mickey is following Dickie's advice. Yes. And he's just standing there and he hasn't told his corner, yeah. you know, what his plan was because he doesn't want to tell them he's following Dickie's advice. Yeah. And he just stands there and gets pummeled and pummeled. And you've got the commentators in his corner all going, the fuck are you doing? What's this yeah. guy doing? This is a joke. He needs to retire after this. He's a stepping stone. He's just here for the money. And then, because he's followed Dickie's advice and it works, obviously, he has to then get a KO and he can because oh, he's I tired see. the guy out. It's not, it's just me. It's like, I, I totally got it. I think the family reactions are quite pantomime but I needed them because mm. I didn't really understand what was going on. Um, so yeah, head body, head body, which I believe is hit them in the head, hit them in the body, but alternate. Yeah. So just like chess. Um, and then he finds his momentum. He has a little bit of a pep talk. He wins. Everyone's happy. Everyone loves everyone. That's it. That's the end of the film. Yeah. That's pretty much it. I got nothing all, uh, other than that, apart from obviously the one good thing that makes me go, yeah, you've captured a British crowd there finally, where someone goes, loser, go back to America. Yeah, <laughs> Which, that was really realistic, like, wasn't that's it? That's authentic. We would shout that. <laughs> and everyone's got, has everyone got a pint? Or maybe I've just projected. Um, all right then. So yeah, shall we do the bits? Yeah, I think we may have lost Chris Tilly at some point along this journey. Chris, are you still there? Oh, yes, I'm still here, um, and I've got some opinions. OK, uh, can I go now? No, we'll do ours first, Chris. OK, uh, what's your best scene, Alex? Uh, my best scene, it's almost, almost uh, one of the scenes which we mentioned with Mickey's sisters and his mother and Charlene, um, either when they're all sitting on the sofa or the fight on the doorstep. <laughs> I love both those scenes, but ultimately it's the fight I just described. Uh, so I don't need oh, to do okay. it again. It's the fight where he follows Dickie's advice. Because both these movies, I'm really in it for the fighting. And I don't think the last fight, normally it's always the final fight. Normally you yeah. go, it's the final fight. But weirdly for both these movies, Clue for Thursday, uh, it's not the final fight that really ticks all the boxes for me. It's an earlier fight. And in this... It is him following Dickie's advice and no one having a clue and everyone basically going, he's over, yeah. this is it, he's a joke. Yeah, the commentator's Screw like, this him. is so unprofessional, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. going to die. And then when he's like, and here I come, yeah. I was like, yeah! <laughs> so it's that fight. Mine is the fight with the sisters. Yeah, I thought it might be. For all those reasons and just all that triggering stuff, of like, I feel like I know all that scene, like I've been in that scene and it yeah it was it was good uh what's your mvw uh mvw okay my mvw is obviously christian bale is it yeah i think he's he's just amazing he is good he's yeah. just that i mean and i think it's silly to sort of go yeah but it's bale so you know you expect that from him i think there is something very special about that twitchy oh yeah performance and still finding like because it's it is disconcerting when you see someone like that and for him to, for the charm and the likability to still come through and watching the short little bit with the real Dickie Eklund yeah, at the end, like you're like, that, yeah. yeah, that's, it's it's good. But I think it was David O. Russell who said, look, what he's done is more than just mimicry. He's actually understood yeah. the kind of mentality and the person that Dickie Eklund is and brought that to the performance so he can riff and he can behave like Dickie without mimicry and I think he's just great because this is because he's sketchy as fuck and it's like but you don't you you wouldn't necessarily follow him to a crack house and mm. I think the film does brilliantly at not making it like oh I want to take drugs with this person because it does look grimy and not nice life 
but you do want to spend time with him. Like you want to follow him around town and see what he gets up to. Mm. And you shouldn't because it's all, I don't know, the crack thing seems like, even though he clearly hasn't got it under control, he, he comes across like a man that does. Yeah. Um, and that's quite uh engaging mixture. Yeah. Can I guess yours? You can, but I think you're wrong. Go on. Oh. No, go on. I was going Amy Adams. Well, I, my, my notes say you'd think Amy Adams yeah. based on everything David I've Russell. Said. No, Mark Wahlberg, because everyone else got something and he didn't. <laughs> and he was Wait. like... You think being MVW on Clash of the Titles <laughs> is going to make Mark Wahlberg go... Well, I might not have got the Oscar. But, but. Vicky Crompton <laughs> recognised. I just think the commitment, as well as his commitment to the film throughout the development process as well, and for doing for not doing the Hollywood thing of like, what's the um, the Christopher Guest film where they think there's an Oscar coming and everybody just like starts doing their biggest self. Oh, fuck, I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, whatever, that film. Okay. Um, you, They're actors. You know, actors are, they like attention. Mm. And they thrive on accolades. And you'd think he would have just been like, oh, shit, I can see which way the wind is blowing. I'm going to do it. And he didn't. And I think that I respect him for that. Okay. Uh, our big TV in a corner reads, Chris Tilly is in the lobby. Shall we let them in? <laughs> <laughs> What a decision to make. What a decision. Oh, here he comes. Here he comes. Here he comes. He's three dots at the moment. Chris. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. What timing? Okay. That is good because, I mean, I've spent about 10, 15 minutes trying to talk. Uh, You guys obviously couldn't hear me, but you didn't notice. You didn't notice I wasn't talking. You were at boxing and I'm dying inside. I bet you were. (laughs) (laughs) I am sorry. Please. This, because I'm the one that it? has people on Twitter. I'm the one that has people on Twitter going, oh, actually, on this episode, you've got this wrong. Yeah, what, oh, did, what, did, what did we get wrong? Oh. I thought we got it right. I got it Nothing. right. Nothing. No, no, you're all good. You're all good. It's nice to have you back, Chris. Uh, we've just done our... Um, did you best... finish? No, no, you, you've come at a good time. We've just done uh, our best scene in our MVW. So if you want to catch up and do both of those, we can then talk about our changes. Sure. Best scene is the sisters versus Charlene. <laughs> uh, unlike, I am a big fan of violence. And when they... <laughs> Get in that car to go around her house. I was on the edge of my seat. Um, and yeah, most valuable whatever is Christian Bale. Obviously, I mean, everyone has obviously picked him, haven't they? Uh, no, uh, no. Uh, Vicky uh, picked uh. Mark Wahlberg because uh, she feels that ah. seeing as he missed out on the Oscar, this is going some way to compensate for that. Yes. And I'm correct. Oh, that's really sweet. Mm, and what, what did you go for, Alex? Just yeah, Christian Bale, because it's the right answer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 Did you mention as well what M- Melissa Leo did though, which I think is quite a, no. a funny thing. Go on. Pre Oscar nomination, but she didn't think she was getting enough attention as a 50 year old woman with the Oscars coming, so she took out a full page advert in the trades saying that for your consideration with a picture of her looking all glammed up which no actor had done in like 50 years did ultimately oscar yes yeah, but did. um quite heavily criticized for it at the time oh interesting yeah i remember her thank you on stage i don't know i, I could i could be wrong it felt a little bit on purpose she went she went fucking hell or something to that effect but she did a big swear on the oscar stage and you're like I just think you did it because you thought it'd be cool and maybe undoes taking out a full page ad in the trades. Like, being, I'm so normal. I am being a bit <laughs> real and I just, I didn't buy it at the time, which I might be wrong. I'm a cynic. What can I say? Uh, and my best scene, Chris, wasn't. I didn't give it uh, an honourable mention. Uh, the girls fighting, the sisters fighting uh, uh, Charlene. Um, it was the first fight where... Mark, not the first fight, the fight where Mark Wahlberg, where Mickey takes a pummeling because he's following Dickie's advice and no one knows what he's doing. And then he turns around and KOs the guy. Thanks for your input, Chris. Right. Do you want to go? I've got a really good one. Okay, well, I'll go first then because I've done mine already, uh, which is that it's the making up between Mickey and his mum is way too short and convenient. So it's so obvious Dickie is a favourite and she says, is that what you think? And gives him a hug and they're done. Yeah. And that's it. And bearing in mind the calculating and plotting that Lady Macbeth of Lowell has done until this point in the movie... I mean, why should we believe her? Why should we believe this isn't just another tactic to win Mickey back? And I just think it's easily solvable. She's make that moment longer. Make her work for it. Let Mickey say, well, no, I really do believe that. And this is why. This is how I felt. And see, just, you know, let her act. Let Melissa Leo act an apology Mm. where we go, 
Yeah, I buy that. Yeah, you're right. And that's it. Yeah. What's yours? All right. I actually, this is one of those where I was, I, I was so convinced this is what had actually happened and I was surprised it didn't happen. Mm. So during the pep talk in his corner, it's round whatever it is of the final fight. And the pep talk at the moment is him saying, this is your time. Dicky to Mickey says, this is your time, which gives him whatever momentum he needs to go out and win. Mm. This is what should actually happen. They're having a pep talk. During the pep talk, Dickie admits to Mickey that Sugar Ray slipped. And then he says, I have been lying my whole life because I didn't get as far as you have because that's all I had. And I'm telling you the truth now because you are going to go out there and win. So I don't need to lie about Sugar Ray because I've got a killer fucking story to tell everyone because my brother is the champion of the fucking world. Now go out there and get me a story. I love it. Yeah. It's a great change. It is, isn't it? It's a great change. You can have that Scott Silver for me. They should have done that. I know. That's brilliant. Uh, All right, then. Chris, what's your change? Oh, I don't know, because my internet at home is so shit, I keep getting kicked out of the Zoom meeting that we're on. Uh, So Chris is absent, uh, which leaves the end of the show with a big question mark hanging over it, as it's Chris's choices next week, and I'll be damned if I've done a clue on his behalf. Ooh. uh, Have you? Uh... Uh, no. Okay. Oh, shit, I could think of something really quickly, but time is against me. How about... Um, uh, uh, oh, I know. Okay, no, I got, I got one. Okay. <laughs> uh, on top of a Christmas tree. Great. Good. Yeah. Do you want mine? Yep. Hello, Angel. Happy no! Christmas. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's so easy. No, That's not. not a clue. I tell you, tell you what, one of these films that Chris Tilly has chosen is not that easy. All right, fine. <laughs> All right, well... If you want to keep that in, keep that in. Okay. But I think yeah. I think on top of a Christmas tree, because it's either a star or... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've done you a solid there, Chris. Uh, so Chris's change is that he uh, he feels that uh, the fighter... <laughs> what does he hate it when I say? Oh, I know. He's like, the fighter was too long. Uh, Could have been... <laughs> Could have done with being a bit shorter. No, you have to say 20 minutes shorter. That's the rule. Just needed 20 minutes taken off it yeah, in the yeah. edit. Yeah, it just needed uh, 20 minutes shaving off that, uh, yep. that bad boy. That's Chris's change right there. Okay, <laughs> so your clue for our first Christmas pairing as we count down to Christmas here on Clash of the Titles is on top of a Christmas tree. It's not a star. It's a, there you go. That's your clue. Until then, please subscribe on Apple and check in with us on Twitter and Instagram. No quiz today because Chris isn't here. Woo! Yay! Yay! We can be friends. Oh, I love it. We can have a nice drink afterwards as opposed yeah. to one that bubbles under with a kind of hatred. Yeah, which resurfaces after a certain amount of drinks, <sighs> but never directly referencing the quiz, I've noticed. <laughs> when was the last time you ever said, it fucks me off when you win the quiz? Never. Uh, never, no. I just sort of sit there silently until I've had a couple of, yeah. couple of pints and then I'm like, What's oh, your problem? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to be back on Thursday. Talking Warrior. Till then, have a great week. Bye-bye. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.